I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Good morning to you and welcome back to Practical Stoicism. I'm Tanner Campbell, your host as always, and this week I have done it, folks. 14,000 plus words spread out across seven episodes, and finally, I've attained that high content-to-ads ratio for every episode of the week. It took two weeks to get into the swing of things. 14,000 words is a lot after all, and I'm now writing it every Monday morning. And to give you an idea of just how many words that is, most people work for two to three years to write a 50, 60, 70,000 page novel. As far as word count is concerned, I would accomplish that in about six weeks at this point. And that doesn't include the words I'm writing for my actual book, which is due out soon and is titled Living Well, Stoic Ideas for a Better Life. More information on that as it comes about, but if you've been following me on Twitter, you'll see that I've posted some of the artwork for the cover of the book and have been talking a little bit about it there. Before we get started today, I'd like to remind you that if you'd like to get rid of ads and support this podcast, you can do so by going to stoicism.supercast.com or stoicismpod.com and clicking the big orange button in the top right-hand corner of the site. If supporting podcasts financially is not your thing, you can still support the show by leaving a five-star review wherever it is that you are listening to this podcast right now. And if you can't do that because maybe your app doesn't allow for reviews, then you can leave that review at podchaser.com or, you know, you can just share the podcast with your family and friends. Today, we are diving into Meditation 15 of Book 4, which reads as follows. Thou hast existed as a part. Thou shalt disappear into that which produced thee but rather thou shalt be received back into its seminal principle by transmutation. The use of the word transmutation here reminds me a lot of the transmogrifier from Calvin and Hobbes, no doubt my favorite comic strip. If you're not familiar, Calvin and Hobbes would climb into this cardboard box and it would be labeled transmogrifier in big black marker along the side of it. And they'd turn a, you know, a drawn dial to whatever animal they'd want to turn into and they would be transmogrified into that animal. A favorite of Calvin's was the Tyrannosaurus Rex. I remember this one edition of the comic. It was full color, full page, and he became a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It was one of the best ones, I think. Of course, Marcus would not have known about Calvin and Hobbes, but, and perhaps it's because I'm feeling a little bit comical this morning myself, but he's suggesting his own cardboard box and transmogrification process in this meditation. The box is your body, 
and one day it will transmogrify you, or in his words, transmute you, back into a thread of the fabric of the cosmos. Or, if you'd prefer I state it less comically, you exist today as part of a whole, the whole being the cosmos. You're a piece of it. Your husk, your body, will die and cease its ability to continue to provide a container and mechanism for the phenomenon of your consciousness. On that day, you will return to the unconscious void as the raw ingredients you started out as. Will you return one day? Unlike the Buddhists, the Stoics didn't speak to that. Is there an afterlife? The Stoics weren't particularly specific about that either. They only said, as far as I've ever read, and I'll remind you here that I've not read everything, but based on everything I have read, if there's an afterlife, the Stoics say, then it is bound to be a logical and reasonable reality, just like this one. And so because of that, there's no reason to fear death or what happens next. Why is it important to keep this inevitable return in mind? Well, the first reason you probably already know, right? Because we've talked about it so much up until this point. Memento Mori. And if I haven't yet gone over what Memento Mori means, I can't imagine that's the case, but at this point we've done so many episodes, sometimes I forget what I have and haven't talked about. It means remember you must die. Remembering this is a reminder to focus on the things we're attempting to change or achieve in the world so that we don't dawdle and die before we've achieved them thinking, oh, I've got plenty of time, right? It's to avoid that. If you remember the meditations from book two, Marcus spent a lot of time making sure we understood the inevitability of our deaths. And that's part of the purpose of this meditation, to make sure we're not losing sight of that. But the larger part, perhaps, is to remind us of the view from above, the cosmic viewpoint. And it is incredible that we're now more than 50 episodes into the meditations, and I am certain that this is the first time I've used the phrase, view from above. The view from above is a Stoic concept that involves perspective and reframing. Remember when I quoted the pale blue dot line from Carl Sagan? This was maybe a dozen episodes ago, maybe more than that. That was essentially the view from above, which asks us to, in the humorous words of the comedian Pete Holmes, zoom out. Imagine you are struggling terribly. Perhaps you're going through a nasty divorce or you're facing foreclosure on your home your world is metaphorically on fire. Try reducing your proximity to the problem, becoming more distal or becoming more distant from it by zooming out. You're a person going through a hard time, right? Wrong. Instead, you're an infinitesimal speck of nothing on a landmass surrounded by water, which is thanks to gravity clinging to a space rock, which is orbiting an unthinkably huge star, which is the center of one solar system, drifting in a small portion of a galaxy, which is just one of trillions in an ever-expanding universe, and that universe, potentially, isn't the only one. So zoom out to that level, where you're looking at all the galaxies in the known universe. Certainly you're still a human being struggling. And that struggling is real enough that we can't just simply ignore it and act like just because we're inconsequential from our super zoomed out vantage point that we shouldn't care about our circumstances. Remember, stoicism isn't nihilism. The point of this exercise is to calm our nerves. Years and years ago, I worked as a barista in a coffee shop. I enjoyed the job. It's probably the best service industry job I ever had. The people were cool. The customers were mostly cool, and until I got fed up with it, I loved that job. I suppose that's the case with most jobs, though, right? You love them until you don't love them anymore. One of the things we would say all the time 
when the line was long or a customer was upset or we were feeling the pressure and might have been on the verge of saying, nope, I'm not doing this anymore, and then walking out the door. On those days, and those days absolutely existed, on those days we would say, it's only coffee. We were stressed, the pressure was real, but as we approached the limitations of our patients or ability to endure that pressure, it was helpful reframing reality to remember that what we were about to lose our tempers over was coffee. Were we about to quit a job just because a long line of people wanted coffee? Were we going to let something as inert as coffee get under our skin? Wouldn't that be kind of silly? I wasn't in any way familiar with stoicism for most of those years, but it's just coffee was a version of zoom out, of shift your perspective. How worthy is this of our frustration in the grand scheme of things? Or, and this is my favorite part, will this thing that's frustrating us or causing us to struggle, not like everything else that has ever frustrated us or caused us joy, pass? Time is a flowing stream, right? If you hate the weather, wait an hour. If you're having a bad day, wait until tomorrow. Don't like the scenery outside the train window? Give it a few miles, it'll change. Can't stand the conversation you're locked into right now? Know that it will end. Time moves us along. And since things cannot last forever, time, in a way, solves all problems, right? Now, none of this is to suggest that your problems aren't real, or that they don't matter, or that you should just suck it up and deal with it and quit being a big sensitive baby. Stoicism doesn't say anything like that. The only thing that the view from above or zooming out is meant to accomplish is the soothing of our anxieties and concerns. It is not meant to do away with them completely. You're in the middle of a nasty divorce. Well, it's going to end, right? And you have some things to do between now and then, but it will end, and that is for certain. And you will go on, living on this space rock, spinning around the universe, the galaxy, the solar system, etc., Things are going to progress. Things are going to change. You're not going to be locked in this specific situation forever. Maybe your home is being foreclosed upon. Well, zoom out. Are there other homes? Will you be able to find a new one? Is there a way forward? Are your present anxieties uncommon? Are there resources to help you navigate this? And as with the divorce example, is it, in the totality of minutes of your life, a significant portion? of your life, or is it just a temporary series of moments? Will it not too also pass? Don't repress your emotions. Stoicism does not tell us to do that. Repression is bad. We learned that when talking to Donald Robertson just last week or the week before that. But the view from above may help you to reframe and better contextualize the emotions you're having by helping you to see your physical, literal place in all of existence from the most zoomed-out position possible. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Practical Stoicism. I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't yet, consider leaving this podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or Podchaser.com, or wherever it is you can leave a review where you listen to this podcast. Also, if you want to get rid of ads, check the show notes for a link to stoicism.supercast.com and get rid of those ads. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, take care. Take care.